0: there were always that.
1: comments about our weight and, girl, you know, girls, it's like, watch what you're eating, watch what this. When I, I got into strength training in my early 20s, I drove my parents nuts. They're like, you're turning into a man. And I'm doing like 15, 10 pounds. Like, it's not
0: like,
1: it's not like a CrossFit workout, like, which is good. Which like, is it was still like a very, great, yeah. Yeah, it was a very humble, like, basic, a lot of body weight. And they were freaking out. Like, they were having, like, don't do that because it's just seen as if you do this it's a dichotomy you'll become super muscular and bulky and if you do that you'll be feminine and it's like no it's not like that i feel like women do need hormonal profiles different we need more fat in our bodies than men we do but so don't demonize like like don't you don't have to have a flat stomach because you need you need fat and if you have a flat stomach you're not going to have boobs so there's always that trade-off
0: welcome to mom strength a podcast and movement to empower, educate, and showcase mom strength inside and out. I'm your host, Surabhi Veach, physiotherapist and fitness coach, also known as The Passionate Physio. Join me for discussions on movement, mindset, and motherhood, where we raise the bar and challenge the status quo. Get ready for expert interviews and real, honest conversations, where we explore physical, mental, and emotional health. Let's celebrate the beautiful diversity and common experiences in all of our journeys. Let's do this.
1: But the only the funny thing is, after I got over the guilt, the other thing that really annoyed me was my husband, every opportunity, he's a wonderful storyteller. He would tell the birth story. And everyone's like oh you delivered the baby all over and over again and I was once I wasn't sure why it was annoying me so much because I thought maybe postpartum hormones but it made me angry I would always interrupt his storytelling and it was annoying and I would interrupt and just go straight to the end because I I was sick of people being like you delivered the baby that's amazing over and over and over again it was like one or two times and I was like why is like, why am I erased from this story? Why do I have the yes. no rule? And I, listen, I don't want a gold star because I do feel like I wish I'd known I was in labor. I wish I'd called the midwives. I wish I had been monitored. It is scary. Like it is super scary not to know you're in labor and then to feel the have the baby's head and then be like oh no I made a mistake like I missed this oh no there was a guilt Mm. and there's also like you're not being monitored so what if something went wrong and my brain went there what if what if what if this happened it took a while to get over that but I know from a woman's experience how scary it is to have a no no one monitoring you you're basically a medically unsupervised birth and of course it's a natural process but it's also like you want it to be supervised midwives do a lot during the label doctors do a lot they're monitoring you they're checking your blood pressure they're checking how you're doing they're telling you how f- much you're dilated they're telling you the coaching you when to breathe i'm lucky i didn't get serious tears because that, that you know i was i wasn't coached i wasn't
0: told yeah, to, you know, it breathe. can happen with more precipitous births where you can get bigger tears so yeah you know, and i think that i always say like if we lived in a culture and society where birth was normalized and not medicalized there would be more births like yours And people wouldn't have as much fear around it because it would be like, oh yeah, this is just what we do. This is what, you know what to do. You know what the science to look at for yourself, but we don't live in that kind of world. We live in a world where on TV, we see scary births all the time. We see emergency scenarios all the time. And we start to think that when, you know, when birth is happening that, oh, what could go, like, could things go wrong instead of like, I'm just thinking like a wild animal giving birth. They're not thinking what could go wrong. They're just like, all right, I'm just going to do my thing and give birth. And so I think that speaks to the fact that we culturally, our society needs to change our perspective on birth and go back to the fact that birth is innate. Just like throwing mm-hmm. up, I always say, you don't need to be taught how to throw up. Body just does it. When yeah. you have the urge, you just go. And birth can also be innate like yours was where your body just took over and you didn't have to fight it. You didn't have to do anything. It just happened. And and again, I'm so glad everything did go okay at the end with your son and with you and everything. But that guilt piece is something that I feel I wouldn't have thought of or known. And I think, I think, thank you for sharing that. And I did a reel a while ago. It's like, why, when people ask who delivered your baby, it's you yes and I whether love whether you had have, a c-section or a vaginal birth it's always I, we had this
1: conversation on Instagram and I was yes. like yes I love it I love what you're saying and I relate to everything and it's weird because it's not that I wanted a gold star like yay me but it's just I wanted an acknowledgement that I went through a birth without medical supervision and that was tough so like "Yay,
0: yeah. pat on you the just back. want to be seen you know yeah, yeah. And, like, and I'm
1: part of the story it's almost like I wasn't there and it's like, it just happened. The baby just happened. And it's like, I wasn't there. And my husband delivered it. Everyone in Egypt, they heard about the story and they're like, oh yeah, he'll deliver. He'll do all the, the. it's like, he did everything and all the steps. I'm like, there wasn't really, like it fell out. And I I 100% props to him. And I'm We're not saying, but, everything, but yeah. it's just the way everyone reacts is like, oh, he delivered. over?" And then I went on the internet, I looked up different precipitous labors and stories and the woman's erased 100% of them. So I do think there's an element of patriarchy where it's like, yes. you know, security. Guard delivered baby a uh, nine-year-old taxi cab driver baby. yeah taxi cab driver delivered baby and again like good for them for being calm in the situation calling 911 but the baby was gonna come it was gonna come it would have come if the woman's alone it was gonna come and yeah. and there was what really angered me like my husband is not like out to take credit but he just like likes to say like it's a story yeah it's it's our story and and it's a great
0: story right it is and
1: he's a great storyteller so like it is annoying I keep interrupting him but (laughs) but I read a few, when I was Googling precipitous labor. I read some really annoying, like, there's a guy that was like, oh yeah, my wife had, again, no picture of the wife, picture of the guy, his age is occupation. He delivered these two babies at home, you know, both times they didn't have time to go to the hospital. Oh gee, I hope it doesn't happen again because poor me. And I'm like, excuse me, the woman had two unmedically supervised birth and you want me to sympathize to you. What about your wife? How do you think she was feeling? I know how she was feeling and it's stressful. So, no, yeah. no, like not poor me. Yeah. How about we talk about this woman that did all these births? And it's like, oh, wow, like cool. Like, like, yeah. and I'm not, again, not Gold Star, but like if you're going to share the story,
0: don't erase the share. woman. Well, and you- share it from the perspective of the person who is doing the work. Yeah. And this and- is, you know, I see a parallel between it is patriarchy, and there's also a parallel between that and like white supremacy, like our history books. Whose story are they telling, right? Yes. Like, you know, when we learn about Canadian history, we don't even learn about Indigenous history (laughs) or Indigenous people's current day. We don't learn that. And so oftentimes it's like the person, and it's not, sometimes it's not even done intentionally to harm. I I don't believe it's it's done. It's just done because that's what we are used to seeing. Yeah. The doctors, oh, this was a, I got there just in time to catch the baby. But you're like, okay, but how did that mother feel when she was waiting without a, Uh, doctor present or a midwife present right and And
1: that's the part that I feel like I want to hear about when you if you're telling that story mention the woman's experience and acknowledge that in all cases like you said it's always the woman that delivers it's always the woman that did 99% of the work, you know, going through labor, not sleeping, especially people who have difficult painful labors, it's a sacrifice and it's like, good, you know, it's a beautiful thing, but it's hard and it's icky and you feel gross. And you really, if, I mean, people who go to, I'm sure past the 40, you know, 41 weeks, I'm sure at that point you're like, oh, come on, just go. I went to
0: 41 with my first and it was, it was really hard. And I think that, um, I think one part that's not talked about is, you know, even if you end up with a C-section, you still did ninety-nine point nine 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 percent exactly. All the other person did, and and you have this recovery. You are doing all the work
1: and recovery from major abdominal surgery that you yeah. are doing for your children that you love and it's like it's a beautiful thing to give your body to like it's such a beautiful it is thing. A sacrifice and it is yeah beautiful. and and it should be honored and maybe if we honored it it would be like treated like other surgeries where we understand that the process takes weeks if mine if I wasn't ready I probably had the easiest birth imaginable and I wasn't ready to return to exercise in four weeks my pelvic floor other areas still needed healing so it gives pause at how if you have more complicated birth if you go through abdominal surgery for c-section you need more time to recover and if we say like maybe if we acknowledge the mother's role in this delivery then maybe we would acknowledge that there's more time needed for recovery there's you know your body's been through a lot and especially like diet culture and i have friends that they couldn't breastfeed, and I have no opinion. Your breastfeed, formula fed is best, but they were barely eating. I saw them; they were barely eating, and I knew it wasn't my place. But they're trying to lose a baby weight, and I'm like, of course, mm. you're not going to be able to breastfeed if you're not eating can't, enough. You can't make you can't, milk
0: if you're not you eating enough Can't be in a calories, calorie yeah.
1: deficit and feeding your child. You kind of need more calories. I think you even need more calories when you're breastfeeding you than when you're pregnant. Like yeah, it's probably my midwives 200. were like, remember, yeah. your
0: baby comes out. My 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 daughter was eight pounds. She's like she's gonna be 10 pounds soon so you need to feed a 10 pound baby and you're exclusively breastfeeding so you need more calories and I was like I, I read ravenous 300, pound,
1: 300 extra calories when you're pregnant minimum yes and 500 again it depends on your activity levels and other things 500 extra when you're breastfeeding 500 yeah. instead of 300 so there's more and it's then more because indeed. of diet culture the moment you have your baby it's like okay you're not harming the baby anymore so diet and it's like no your body needs to recover. So what if you have a tummy? So what if you gained weight? I was, um, I was 135 before. And by the time I had my baby, I was 180 and my baby was small. So what like you, and some people gain more, some people gain less and it doesn't matter, but like, don't pressure yourself to return. It took me more than a, it it was more than a year before, I returned and my body changed like I have broader shoulders just from holding the baby that's before my muscle I have more muscle because it's physically even if you're not working out you are carrying a baby so you are working out and you are you're you're feeding you're you're lifting this car seat to get in the car like there's a lot of physical it's very physical having a baby so you are doing work and it's like don't you don't need to engage in diet culture you shouldn't be thinking about that for a long time don't please this is not the time to be diet culturing and there's a lot of pressure but like I ignore that
0: (laughs) when I joined unfollow accounts that yeah when I joined like I
1: like just like the same reason I love your base program that's great like because it's good to not think about your workouts when you have the baby even if you have a fitness background it's good to just not think about anything to do something for yourself and it's good to have short like I tell people like my workouts became like 15 minutes, and I with the kid crying, like it's like it would have. Been, I didn't have childcare, I didn't have access to a gym, so I yes. always built it around my kid. So like it, I would say, half ask your workout, yes, please. Like if you didn't get much sleep, do five minutes. Like it doesn't matter. And I kept my kettlebells in my living room. And yes. I remember people come visit and say, "Oh my gosh, your baby might knock them over." I'm like, they're 35 pounds. Maybe he's <laughs> not even. Maybe yeah. he's eight pounds. It's not gonna happen. He's not yeah. gonna. knock It's it like, over.
0: could I move a five hundred pound weight? No. So yeah, yeah. So I them.
1: just remove all barriers and, um, but don't pressure yourself I because. It's not like you are working out regardless because kids are physical. Um, parents who have disabilities, they're still being physical. You know, you don't have to hold your child standing up, obviously, like there's no one way to parent and there's no one way to, like if you can't carry the child because of your back, it's all fine, but you will yeah. be moving one way or you another. Will be,
0: and you will be working out. And I, I think that's the point that I like to make is, you know, I love that you said like at four weeks, you weren't ready for exercise. And I always say, it depends what exercise is because you already are exercising. As soon as you bring the baby home and you're walking, sometimes climbing upstairs, sometimes just holding that is all exercise. Like my arms were jacked, you know, just, yeah, just holding. And exactly. then, you know, once baby starts walking, then my arms went back to normal. But, um, you know, it's just, it goes to show that exercise doesn't have to be one thing. You can start exercising. I work with clients virtually. So it's super easy for them. They they book in the first week, 10 days postpartum. We're getting started with very basic core, pelvic floor, gentle, functional movements, because they're ready for it. And they're already doing it anyways. And so I teach them how to do it in a way that actually supports their healing. And supports their mobility and d- reduces aches and pain, so that as they get to that four week, six week, eight week mark, they can start going to those stroller fit classes and those yeah. those more active classes and feel successful mm-hmm. in it. And and, I think- And
1: jump and this, but it's like everything will it's come. A, but like the process, patient. it's not the time to rush it. Um, some people can run earlier than others. It doesn't matter. It's not. It's a very personal thing. Don't compare yourself to another mom or to other people. You just do you, and your body will tell you. Like you will, you when you feel awful, that's probably too much like (laughs) dial it down if you feel like like you shouldn't feel worse if you feel awful then it's probably like you're not getting enough sleep you're not eating i mean no one's getting enough sleep but like not perfect and also it's okay dial it back you just
0: didn't did something major and there's no like rush to get back to anything you know it's it's more like exercise has to support you and your life and not take away from it so if you exercise i believe every mom hopefully gets stronger postpartum other than baby Hmm. carrying I think lifting weights Hmm. is important because Hmm. it helps to make mom life easier yes it's so much easier to carry my toddler when I have strong arms and legs I would have been able to handle it if I didn't have like
1: all. I needed all my strength let's just put it that way to handle the demands of motherhood and so um um, like like I would hope every mom has the ability to do pain 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 free you know like not have like like the leaks are so common everything is so common so you'd hope that if you, you know, eventually get referred to a pelvic floor, get you know check your diocese, um, not to, not to panic, but just know everyone's going to have a diocese. So when I went to Jess, she, she, she checked, she said, Oh, it's like minor. It's pretty small. And um, just to, so you're aware, I'm not like a caution, like, don't do this, don't do that. But just so you know, and you know,
0: new evidence really says you don't even really need to check because in the early postpartum phase, everybody has one. So Mm -hmm. checking for it, Sometimes scares people because they're like, oh, "I have three finger wide diastasis." Oh, I have two finger, and they get obsessed about the numbers. And I'm like, "Listen, you always, you already know you're going to have looseness. You already mm-hmm. know you've got to do these exercises. If you, as long as you have a hernia, you know, then we need to look at it a little bit more. But let's focus on the work that needs to be done. Wait at least three months before, in my opinion, checking for diastasis prolapse and." Or not even checking for prolapse or grading the prolapse, like saying, mm-hmm. oh, you're stage one, stage two, because there's a lot of innate healing that happens. Even if we did nothing, even if we did exactly any exercise, your body already uh, healing. Exactly. So we don't need to be planting fears and like, oh, you've got this degree or this. Degree. Yeah, because yeah, it's so true. People get scared. And- and what I want people to know is if
1: you do feel like down the road several months after a year after that, you're still having issues, you could see a pelvic floor physio, you could get yeah. help for that people don't even know that exists. Like I, um,
0: How is it, it in Egyptian it, culture? Is there a lot of knowledge on that? No, I would say no. Same with <laughs> in Indian culture. They're like, "What? Excuse me, what do you do?" And I'm like, "I yeah, do personally. Yeah. Don't worry, I don't even know." And, 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 and again, diet you
1: know? di- culture is huge in Egypt, oh, at least amongst heck? my family. So it's very much mm. like when oh, I wait. saw my aunts are like, "Oh, look at you! You lost the, this much weight." Is that all the comments are about appearance, and you really don't want that. Like you kind of your body changes. I, I there was a year where I didn't know what my size was. I had a bazillion pants, and I would be like, "Does this one fit?" No. Okay, this one. Okay, yeah. Like you could just, just like you don't know but you, like it's like I would be cautious to comment even in the positive negative yeah. I, just I think don't just comment.
0: commenting is- and
1: and and because again with the hormones and everything you're really sensitive to anything Yeah. so like just just mm, say it's a nice day or how are you doing but don't make it about the body just make it about other things and well, like how are you feeling like yeah. I felt after
0: my first child I had prolapse and leaks and I felt awful but I looked Like I bounced back. The day after I gave birth, I went back to my pre-baby size. I was literally all baby. Wow. And everyone was like, what's your secret? Like as if I had done something special. And I'm like, does nobody care how I actually feel? And I really felt like nobody cared. They just cared that I bounced back physically. And then after my second, I, you know, I'm a lot heavier than I was, but I feel so good. But nobody's telling me I look great. And that messes with you too, because you're like, oh, but last time people did. How come they're <laughs> not saying it this time? And so this is the the problem with diet culture and the yeah. the over obsession about women's bodies and how they look. And I have really gone away from accounts. People, my my family's pretty yeah. good. Indian culture, they're usually depending on the Indian, right? Some parts of India or some families, I, I should say, I'm not gonna generalize mm-hmm. for an entire Country, but some families are more into it than others. I find most South Indian families are less so because there's a little bit more conservative. Like we don't talk about bodies and sex right and you right. know physicality and a
1: sari. Because my husband's from Bangladesh, so I have exposure through um, his culture, which has been wonderful. Like they're the, I love Indian cuisine. I love uh, the saris. I have twenty of them, but I don't know how to put them on, which is kind of a waste. Because I'll like, do a I tutorial. <laughs> please no, please if we can like video tutorial because it's such a waste. It's a beautiful garment and it's a nice garment because it's not overly like yes. you you can you can breastfeed a child with a sari you can have you know your belly grow or whatever no one will notice like it's
0: actually a really nice it is practical a garment. practical garment um yeah.
1: I, I can see a lot of a lot of uses for it so I'm kind of like wow this is cool because I'd never you know it's different like we had we don't have that that clothes in Egypt so I was just like fascinated by it and um, we all like love it we're like oh it's so pretty, but like. I, I can't put it on it would look like a toga like I can't like <laughs> I admire the skill and I admire like it's like what eight 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 meters of fabric and I'm it's just like that, that. you cut get a six garment. yards or nine
0: yards depending oh, on the length wow. Yeah. like yeah. wow and then it and becomes this beautiful thing and there's like yeah so many different ways to wear it too different styles different styles and like how yeah.
1: how neat so and versatile do, yeah like like so I admire that and I think it's handy not saying like you shouldn't wear revealing clothes and show your belly you definitely should wear what you want but it's nice that there's a garment that that doesn't like there's an option you have the choice to be like like it's not like it doesn't have to be there if you don't want it you can kind of listen never have I felt so
0: um not judged in Indian culture because I was always too small it's always too thin it's not curvy I was tiny I was tiny I was like 100 pounds right so then after I had my second I have curves now I have fat and nobody says anything about my body. That's and I'm great. like, this is great. Because before it was, oh, you need to eat more. You need to eat more. Now nobody judges. Nobody says anything. So in, it's like the reverse diet culture it, there. In Bengali culture, and at least amongst the family friends, when they see me, they're like, oh, you gained weight.
1: Great. You really yeah. look Better like you yeah. needed that. Like, I was like, oh wow, this is like a contrast. Like they're all like Except happy. The they're yeah. like they're so happy. They're like it's like I guess I'm more womenly hey, now. I don't know. The, like-
0: the bigger the better. Because <laughs> again, in certain cultures, there's a lot of poverty and lack of food, and so you being bigger reflects health and richness and wealth, right? So it's it's a sign that you're doing well. And I always think like my ancestors would be so proud to see that I am that their lineage has continued and he's eating and is doing well. And so and I often thriving. think about it from that way and thriving. Right. And yeah, I think it's that's great. It is uh <laughs> judgment on either end is not good, whether you're too no. thin, you're too big, but at least it's hopefully happening less and less in our communities. And I think our generation is changing the game because we are raising children with that, Forethought (laughs) of not pushing diet culture on them, not pushing these unrealistic standards on them.
1: I have a hard time not telling my son to finish his plate or to eat. Like, I'm trying to be very neutral with the food language, but it's hard because sometimes, like, you know he only wants to eat hot dogs and chicken nuggets and you're like no 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 you need your veggies come on finish your peas. come on finish like I'm pushing the veggies and then but part of me is also like I don't want to create something where he feels like he has to finish what's in front
0: of him so it's just trying to and it depends on the kid's personality because my personality if I was told what to do I would do the opposite so oh yeah Yeah. I I told my parents I'm like didn't you figure that out you should have told me never eat veggies and I would have finished it all and so I use reverse psychology a lot I know this sounds terrible but with my with my Mm -hmm. daughter it works really well because she's like that you tell her to do something she will not do it whereas my son you can tell him or not tell him he will only eat what he wants not a drop more so sometimes he'll be chewing food and spit it out because he's full i've never seen it i'm like what is why I'm like, can't you just finish that extra bite? Yeah. Like he, he's like, no, I'm full. I'm not touching one drop more. How interesting. It's so fascinating because my daughter will just eat and eat and eat and eat, even if she's full, just because she wants to hang out and she wants to stay up late. And so it's just like, yeah, it's respecting that they will, no, no kid's going to starve themselves. And if they start to feel icky and constipated, I like what happened with one of my kids. And I'm like, remember you haven't eaten veggies in a long time. That's mm, why that's a good veggies. that's a good way of uh, and they framing. need to learn that in their bodies because it's going to happen a few times they're going to feel icky constipated stomach's going to hurt and then I'm like well this is what happens mm, or this oh, is why you didn't why drink you're really, water this is why you're really hungry because you didn't eat last you while. didn't have any protein you're just having yeah. like you know and so I try to make it more educational without putting that pressure but I know it is hard Uh, I I because I was always told to eat more eat more I really try not to do that to my kids because I know how um. It was really hard. It was really yeah. hard growing up, and there Didn't were always comments that. about our
1: weight and girl, you know, girls. It's like, watch what you're eating. Watch what this. When I I got into strength training in my early 20s and it drove my parents nuts so like you're turning into a man you're this so that because and I'm doing like 15 10 pounds like it's not like um, <laughs> yeah
0: you're I'm not, not like a, and even it's if, not yeah. a
1: pro, it's not like a crossfit workout like which is which like, is it was still like a great very, yeah yeah it was a very humble like basic a lot of body weight and they were freaking out like they were having like don't do that because it's just seen as if you do this it's a dichotomy you'll become super muscular and bulky and if you do that you'll be feminine and it's like no it's not like that and There's women, no one dif- it's definition women of- more than men are even because of menopause we need to we need, it. We need to train. build
0: bone we need to strengthen. and we do and need mass fat mass. like I,
1: I feel like women do need hormonal profiles different we need more fat in our bodies than men we do but but like so so don't demonized like like don't you don't have to have a flat stomach because you need you need fat and if you have a flat stomach you're not going to have boobs so there's always a trade-off like it's just like <laughs> it's so true listen that was
0: me I was uh yeah thin <laughs> flat stomach flat chest <laughs> I still have a small chest but you know what I think yeah. part of it is recognizing that all of these things that have been sexualized about our bodies were determined by men
1: Yes. It's a men's
0: perspective of what they find sexual. Why don't we determine for ourselves what we like about our bodies and why, you know, it's, it's, it's a very different, even clothing, how it's made. It's made for men, by men, for women, but by them. So, you know, even just identifying like what we actually like about our bodies and what yeah. or you know being more neutral about it is, and that is people easy. shouldn't feel bad because honestly just from weight training clothes
1: aren't designed I find for they're not for people who my arms trained. don't fit into all my old shirts exactly and but meanwhile my saris all fit but like even my shoe size changed like none my of shoe my shoe sh- I had to get true. rid of all my shoes I'm an extra half size than I was before I'm a half
0: size bigger too yeah,
1: yeah. And, it, and it was sad because I had a lot of nice shoes but I, I mean it's like your body changes and the it's if your clothes don't fit, it's the issues, not you. It's the clothes. So like you clothes. know, like like and it and there's a lot. Clothes are made for very fictional. Like a lot of clothes is made for very fictional. Idolized body type that doesn't fit most people, and it's fine, it's like okay, like it's like who cares. And like, like, just
0: think about men if clothes didn't fit them, you think they'd be squeezing into like the average man would not? They'd be like, Ah, I, I need new clothes, right? There's not that psychological, like, oh, I'm not adequate enough if I can't fit into size, just the pockets, or whatever. That, just the pockets, and the thickness of the material. And the men's stuff it
1: seems so much higher quality than the women's. And like, why does none of my clothes have pockets? I want pockets, like, I want somewhere to put my, fits phone. my
0: entire phone,
1: yeah, yeah, no, that doesn't fit my. phone and and then it's like of course my phone's gonna fall more often than my husband because he has like clothes that allow for phone but we're not allowed to look bulkier so we don't get pockets it's just so frustrating um but that's like that's an aside but that's gonna yeah shouldn't shouldn't feel bad i have i
0: have a question for you and your pull-ups Cause I, so for those of you Sarah sent me this video, we were talking about pull-ups and uh, you know, uh, when I had my two kids, I'd be at the park a lot. So I'd be training for like, you know, I'd be doing my scapular pull-ups and I'd be training a lot more from the monkey bars. And then Sarah was talking about how she loves doing pull-ups and she sent me this video of her just pumping out like <laughs> five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 pull-ups. And I was like, oh, this is amazing. So tell me about your training for pull-ups and how you made that happen. So
1: before, this is interesting, but before my son was born, I could do a few, but not 10, not anywhere near 10. And it wasn't like, I didn't, I didn't intentionally train for them. So it was like one, maybe two, and it was shaking. The form was like bad but it doesn't matter like I got over the bar so I was happy yeah yeah I got it um and then after I had my kid my circumstances changed I used to go to the gym very regularly and then it was impossible to go once he was born I have no we had no family in Toronto it was just me and my husband Mm. my husband worked long hours before the pandemic he'd be home at 8 p.m so where would be the time to go to the gym and then my son didn't sleep when we're co-sleeping i'd be in bed with him and be like like it was like i couldn't detach from from that Mm -hmm. and my husband is super supportive partner in that he does all the cooking um I have some strengths but they're not household management and it's I think it's common women with ADHD they they don't fit the role of the ideal parent so sometimes you feel like a failure but it's like okay no no I'm spontaneous I'm creative I can come up with things in a fly that's my strength it's not cooking and cleaning which is essential I admire that job but it's just I just because I'm a woman it doesn't mean I'm better at it so my husband does that so I had the support but it was impossible like to go to the gym and before I had my kid I was like no matter what I'm always going to go to the gym and I couldn't go to the gym it was impossible mm. it wasn't practical so practical. I had to change my my mix-up of what I did so I did a lot of like those postpartum baby classes to start it was great to socialize it was great for mental health but then eventually I was like my goals are, are now I want to do like my um quote-unquote like heavy goals regular because I was doing things without weights I was doing things like and I was kind of like I want to go back to what I did before but I can't because I have different tools so I didn't have like all the dumbbells I didn't have I had kettlebells but it would have been upper body like I wouldn't have been able to hold up the the 35 the, the the 20 kilograms like it wasn't too heavy yeah it was too heavy for my so I was thinking what can I do for my upper body so I started doing push-ups I did a lot of calisthenics I and then what was really sustainable was I could only work out with my kid because it was impossible like the kid barely slept my kid happened to not nap um he was one of those on me all the time and so the only way I was going to work out was if I did it with him while he was awake in the In the postpartum classes I did, we did a lot of workouts with the baby, which was great. But after some point, I'm like, I want to go back to my
0: regular
1: I workouts did. yeah yeah so I kind of made up a different type of workout I would do whenever I was in the playground with him so I learned how to do um pistols which I didn't know how to do before my because before I'd lift heavy but now I didn't have access to that so I trained to do pistols on my couch so like pistols are one-legged squats so I started like this like I'm standing one leg and I'd sit on my chair and then I'd slowly lower the surface and I used garbage cans I used whatever and eventually I got to doing a full pistol Amazing. and I had a r- routine um I do everything. Thing like that. So my, I am not. Uh, my background is not athletic, and it annoyed people when I worked in healthcare in a clinic because I would tell patients that came in, "Oh, you don't exercise. You only need to exercise one day a week." And everyone in a the clinic, they have a kinesiology background. They have, they'd be fuming, like, "What are you talking about? You have to do 150 of moderate exercise." I'm <laughs> like, I know the recommendations, but I'm a non-athlete, and I know what it's like to be a non-athlete. And if you tell them. One day a week, it's way more sustainable. And from zero to one is way more progress. And I was able to maintain my ability to do pull-ups and push-ups working out at periods of my life where I could only do it once a week. And I
0: started once a week. That is what you just said. (laughs) Literally what I tell my patients, I'm like, they're like, oh, I don't work out at all. I'm like, okay, what's your goal? Three, four times a week. I'm like, okay, let's start with one. Yeah. Yeah. In the past year and a half, I've worked out one day a week on average. Yeah, life happens, especially not, as a mom. Yeah. And
1: what I hate is when I, if I posted a video on Facebook, yeah, you know, I get a, mob, a lot of moms be like, oh, I feel guilty I don't work. I'm like, don't feel guilty. It's not you about you busy. feeling
0: guilty. Yeah. It's
1: not sustainable. It's like, there isn't, like, I am being you know depending on how you define it I am being selfish when I work out because sometimes my son would rather I do other things but I need to for my mental health if I'm going to be there for him yes it's my non-negotiable but I do it in a way that's sustainable for both of us so I don't have the luxury of child care no I don't mean luxury I don't I just don't have access to child care and gym so I made a lot of kinesthetic um things in the park so I did my I started with scapular I built like because you can go I I I kind of made my progression Megan Calloway Calloway has a
0: push-up yes Yes. yeah
1: and I I followed her pull-up program to learn how to do pull-ups and a lot of it is at home like I'm I'm all for at-home training if you're a new mom actually for everyone, if you're not like into the huge barbells, you can do everything at home. And for health, I work you, out don't, at need, home. you yeah. don't need more. And I have a lot of like guys that are like, you know, you need the gym. Like, absolutely not. Like you do not need a gym. Gyms are great if you have access to it. Yes. Progressive overload. Yes. You want to lift more, but there's other ways to challenge yourself. You can do body weight, but like slow down the pace. You can slow down the timing. The there's so many other ways to add resistance yeah. other than giant weights. So like I did, most of it was body weight. And I was able to get from not being able to do because after you have your baby, you will even if you were active, you're going to lose your ability to push ups entirely. You're going to lose the ability. You have to kind of restart work
0: back at it.
1: And it's easier for me than my friends who are athletes like my friends who are competitive athletes had a rougher time being like, oh, I can't do what I did before Yeah, because it's a psychological
0: like. what like my identity shifted if I can't do all these things
1: so for me I'm a non-athlete I hated the gym in high school I didn't do any sports and unfortunately a lot of immigrant parents of girls don't get enrolled in sports and that's something I hope will change but they mean well but it's like our you know in our our community like we don't want you to get um I mean a lot of Egyptian girls did do soccer so I don't want to say it's universal but like with my parents like we don't want you to get scarred we don't want you to be outside too much we don't want you to get your girl and it would have been different for boys but for girls it's like you know they're a bit overprotective and when I started resistance training they were not happy and they thought it would be terrible but now my mom's like wow you look great and I'm like, <laughs> I, I feel great I don't do it for looks personally looks. Yeah. but I feel amazing I feel better than I did in my 20s in my 30s i feel better than i did in my right? 20s i yeah. feel i get injured way less i feel you know? amazing i have people that are younger than me in their 20s oh i'm in constant pain i'm like why you shouldn't be in constant pain and again i i know like people who have chronic pain i'm privileged not to have chronic pain you shouldn't shame yourself if you if you have chronic pain it's how different can you exercise story, yeah. it's a different story so there's no judgment but for me i'm like can't you do something about it like if you're in constant pain you're so young you're so young you're a baby why is it why why does everything hurt like can you check it out go see a physio i saw a physio just for like because i carried my baby all the time up until two years in the carrier constantly because he hated the stroller and toronto unfortunately does not clear the snow so it's not very accessible like they do a terrible job. So I couldn't navigate the snowbank. So I quickly realized if I'm going to be car free in Toronto, I need a carrier. So I got the carrier. And again, that that that's what I did. But I went to a physio and I said, I don't want back pain. So can you show me how I should wear the baby in the ideal position? And they sort of went over things and they told me, you know, to have the baby facing inwards, not outwards, that puts more pressure. And it's also on the Baby on as the well, baby's more, hips yeah yes yes so they explained that to me and i followed their advice and it was like preventative physiotherapy and it was great like like so if you have pain go see someone you don't have to suffer like women especially shouldn't suffer i feel like a lot of them accept just accept it and i'm like you shouldn't be in constant pain and i hope that they can find a solution sometimes the healthcare professionals don't know and sometimes you have
0: to see a couple different ones to attack like oh mental health aspect or you know nutritional aspect and sometimes it is a team approach but yeah what you just said there is i think it comes it stems from a lack of self worth or feeling like you're worth taking care of and your needs are worth attending to because i know in indian culture it goes from you serving your husband to then you serving your kids and you're like, nowhere in that do you ever serve yourself? And I always say, you you have to serve yourself. Like you just mm-hmm. said, you have to take that time for yourself for your own mental health because you feel better. I have to do these things for myself. Otherwise, I can't show up for anybody else. And I'm the same. My husband does the cooking and cleaning. And I've all I've often wondered if I have ADHD because I relate to a lot of <laughs> women with ADHD. And I'm like, yeah, it sounds a lot like me. Well, because- there's
1: also a lot of gender expectations that
0: there's that too right and I think that we assume that the women are going to be the ones with the strengths in cooking and cleaning and organizing their kids lives and that but that's not my strengths you know and I think it's okay to recognize that Um, tell me about your strengths because I know you love art and creativity Mm -hmm. and tell me about what you really love doing
1: so I love art but during like I've done been doing baby portraits um, sometimes but ever since my son's born I haven't done my own personal art it's been a pause and I used to be sad and I went to I kind of Instagram to one of my favorite comic artists I said are you still an artist if you don't draw and she's like no life has different seasons and sometimes Mm. you take a hiatus but it doesn't make you any less of an artist so I want to put that out there for any moms that are struggling to get to do their own things and you'll get there it's just sometimes the kids will get more independent they'll be a little more but like right now it's like you're not going to get your eight hours or seven hours of sleep you're not there's certain things that are impossible and that's okay like don't be hard on yourself so I do my cars every every morning i do some stretches every morning no matter what when i wake up i don't check my phone first i do my cars and i do some stretches and um cuz i've having worked with some elderly populations i feel like the joint mobility goes before the muscles yeah. so i that's why i prioritize doing cars in the morning and joint like, ca- cars means rotations with your joints for people that aren't physio or or they're not in that movement space. professionals yes. yes exactly so i do that i do some stretches and i um, like I live I don't drive so I uh, moved to Ottawa it's not as it's not friendly like like transit friendly
0: like Toronto yeah it's really no nice. so I, I lived I in Ottawa to, briefly too
1: I walk to work and people are shocked like how can you walk to work that's impossible and I'm like no I do it I have the gear I wear layers I I toughen it I, and I and I get my exercise so I get a lot of time but I'm often late in the morning so if I didn't do the cars and the stretches like you should stretch before you run don't just run but I end up jogging but because I do the cars I feel like I have never gone injured so I feel like at least you have having a bit done, of up, yes. I have a bit of warm-up. Ideally you would structure and do more warm up but for me it's more like oh no I left 15 minutes and I should have well, I better hurry <laughs> and so like uh but at least I'm getting my heart rate up so that's great. <laughs> so I do that every day. Um and that's another um, I will say it's it's good for my mental health because I have time alone from the kid. It's, it's an extra, like, yes, it would have taken only 10 minutes if I've driven it. We only have one car and we're downtown. So if I'd driven, it would only take 10 minutes. When I walk it, it takes like, between 30 and 40 minutes Mm. but it's great for my mental health it's time for me and it's like you yeah so it is a self-care living without the car and I'm I'm making I make it a challenge because it's like people are you can't do that I'm like watch me and I'm working a job where it's a shift work so it will be challenging because I'll have odd hours and I'll be at the night and Ottawa needs to be it's not well lit so there's things that I'll have to figure out and navigate but I've been like pretty stubborn I'm like I can do it
0: and people are like yeah but what about minus 20 I'm like I'll wear more layers I have boots. You know, Ottawa has some of the most <laughs> hardcore people because there would be people cycling in the middle of winter. They've got their layers, their bikes and like running in the middle of the winter. So I do think you can do it if you are well prepared. I, I saw yes. people wearing ski goggles in the windy cold days with the snow. And I'm like, that's mm-hmm. really smart, because how else are you going to see, <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, I don't know about you with your glasses like if it gets covered in snow and wet like how do you, you see, see right
1: well what I do is I always have a hat with a visor and it kind of covers it a bit oh, so that okay. I can see I never go out without because even when it's raining I wear a baseball cap because I need to have my glasses Vision. clear so I, so I come up like I come up with my own solutions and I'll, <laughs> I'll you know I take it one day at a time and figure it out I'm not saying like I'll never ever you know not walk but also if public transit was better I would have taken it True. but but public transit not ends up it's not no so i have no. to walk it but uh, but i've I've been enjoying it um other things i do for myself is of course pull-ups and working out and when i started i i did everything in the park with my son in the park so i want to tell people if they want to get started you don't need fancy weights you don't need no. fancy equipment you don't need don't listen to people that say you can only do it if it's perfect Half ass your workout divide up like i was following megan's program she has like four days a week i did two sometimes one And I still got to being able to do pull-ups. Consistency over perfection. Just be consistent if you can. And if you can't, it's fine. Like sometimes I'll do only push-ups. Like it's fine. But I found that, and I used to be embarrassed. Like what will other moms think? Because my son will be playing and I'll run up, go to the monkey bars, do my training, come back to him, one up. And sometimes he's like whining, like he wants me to just play with him. But I figure like he's learning a bit of independence. I'm doing, it's like one of those trade-offs where I'm getting what I need. He'll learn with time. And now he kind of exercises with me, but he'll do like, I'm going to do like when I do my stretches the morning, he goes, I'm going to do baby yoga. And he just lies in front of me. So I can't do what I was trying to do. <laughs> but again, it's like, great. Like, it's great. Well, whatever. and I think
0: that I, I used to be a little bit embarrassed too, because I was always the only mom working out, doing my squats, doing my, you know, hangs. And I would be doing all sorts. Of, I'd be practicing my balance and single leg squats amazing, and pushups amazing. against the bed. And I don't care what other people think because no, I they're don't sitting there on their phones and I'm not judging because I've done that many that, times. No, no. And that's what I was thinking. Like, yeah. Would it be better if I'm on my phone? It's fine
1: on your phone. But like, I mean, that's why playgrounds exist. It's a space for the parents and the kids to, uh-huh, have yeah. to, to play. So like I told myself, well, would like, would I be Are, my, are parents judging me? Would they judge me if I'm on the phone in the couch in, in the bench? No. So why would they judge me if I'm on the it monkey won't. bars? They don't care. And no. I've never had anyone judge me. I had one kid be like, no, the playground's only for kids. And I'm like, I'm a big kid and I'm, I'm with my kids whatever and that's yeah. why i get mad when like in toronto i saw a few signs that are like this is only for kids and i'm like no we do yeah it says
0: like age- five to eight ages five to 12 and i'm like screw that i'm the size no. of some 12 year olds so i'm yeah say, yeah, yeah and
1: i'm just too I don't. We do way too much age segregation. I said that's why I didn't know anything about babies because I hadn't been exposed to babies. And I'll tell yeah. you a beautiful story. My sister went to a book opening for an indigenous author, and he was reading his like. They're they're it's a an, uh, professor and a student uh, and their students, and it's a book about um, residential schools and actually I, sh- I didn't read the book so I shouldn't tell you like about the book. But um, it was like beautiful like there's you know they're introducing their book they're having a book launch at an independent local bookstore and there was a baby crying in the room and the mom you know you know you kind of panic and you don't want to be disruptive and then as soon as she was at, she tried like soothing and bopping and it didn't work and so she was heading for the door and the, and the speaker said no excuse me ma'am don't leave please our community was denied thanks to residential schools they were denied that the sound of babies crying so I want you to stay and wow. I thought like how empowering because moms feel ashamed about breastfeeding or doing anything in public with their babies. And here we have very much, this is a kid space. This is an adult space. These are daycares. And if you yep. don't have a daycare, it's like, where are you supposed to go? And yeah. so I was so like, yes, bring that's your kid. A and we, that's how we've always existed. And it's only like, now we are like, now it's like, oh yeah, kids don't exist. What? Like, no, they yeah. they exist. You try just to like separate so people,
0: everything. Like kids are, like, here yeah, are here and adults are here. Just like
1: just- people are like, well, how can you live in an apartment with a kid? Because we live downtown Ottawa. We value being in a walkable neighborhood over a uh, car, car depends. Somewhere. And I have, do do you what works for you? I think if there's a lot of privilege for me, like I would never tell someone and advise them, live walk everywhere. I'm like, no, I can only do it because I live where I live and it means higher, higher rent. So yeah. and it means we'll never own, probably. <laughs> but like, so I'm and not that's saying okay. that's that I'm not I wish I, I'm saying I wish this was an option for more people and it's not an mm. option for people because it's it's unnatural to need to go out and exercise. It should be built into your life. So I feel yes. bad people don't have that that opportunity. That's why we should never shame people for not exercising, because there's a privileged component. Like I live in a walking, it's a system.
0: Yeah. Yes. I think it's, it's, it's more, it's, uh, I think we often blame individuals when it's the system that doesn't allow, yes. even in the hospital, what you said earlier, like it's the system that doesn't allow for doctors to spend that time because mm-hmm. they're rushed and rushed. And and that's and the it, culture of medicine. And it must be hard on
1: them when they have to build like a bazillion, like
0: I feel bad for them. I'm, I'm not, yeah blaming anyone. It's just,
1: it's too bad that that's a system, system and it's too yeah. bad. And I think our the systems end-
0: aren't built for walking and for yeah. cycling safely. Yeah. Ottawa is way better than Toronto, but <laughs> Toronto neighborhoods do, mm-hmm. but we drive, we can walk and s- walk to like five parks in our neighborhood. That's wonderful. And that's a privilege. And yeah, I don't live in yeah. a big house with a big backyard, but I'm like, I- that's never been my value system. I don't want to clean all that and I man- manage all that. I'm I, happy I have, living here. Sarah, I have some final thoughts and I have some questions about you. And sure. I want to know um, what book or podcast you listen to or read that has been kind of life changing for you.
1: Um, there's quite a few. Um, if in, the, in the line of Indigenous, there's an Indigenous podcast called All My Relations. No, highly recommend job. you learn about colonialism racism you learn about all sorts of institutional podcast. issues and yeah and it's really like loving podcasts because there's a lot about celebrating female empowerment the body love like it's I highly recommend that podcast and I've learned a lot about indigenous issues through the podcast um, another one is 99% invisible that's a design podcast so that's also really um, thoughtful and I've learned a lot about urban planning through that podcast as well cool. and um Canada Land because I live in Canada but people outside of Canada might not be interested um I like I like Canada Land and Planet Money those are more mainstream but like as well like so uh, there's a lot of podcasts I never have time for them but like um (laughs) I really enjoy them when I do it's like something I savor
0: nice (laughs) nice and tell me three things you like to do for yourself every day for self-care or rituals you like to do
1: cars pull-ups and um, um hmm this is this is funny it's like what's the third one what um, makes you are, feel
0: like oh it's a good day because I did this or I drank this cup of coffee or, or whatever is your thing
1: I think it's just being doing the movement not I'm not even talking about exercise but just doing
0: movement intentional oh, was, yeah, In your yeah, intentional. walks and stuff yeah exactly I love that And what's something that you're really passionate about right now? Um, Always art,
1: of course. I'm passionate about learning because I'm trying to have a more open mind and just be exposed to more ideas. I'm passionate about my new field. Um, I was very tunnel vision in my old field and the pandemic derailed everything like a lot of women, I'm sure, can relate. So I've starting a new job as a fingerprint examiner and just learning about a a new world like it's i'm very privileged and i'm restarting like it's like a completely like entry level but it's like um it makes me feel younger because it's like oh yeah neat like you can reinvent yourself so if any woman feels like they're stuck in their careers there's always other opportunities you've never even dreamed of out there so don't be afraid don't feel like you have to do what people expect you to do it's you can always change your course and your you know and, that's, and I think yeah. that's the
0: benefit of coming from an immigrant family too. Like I am an immigrant myself, but I've seen my parents, they moved here when they were 40 and 45. And I, that's why I don't feel the same pressure to have it all figured out and have this one no. job I do forever because I'm like, you know what? They came here, they moved across the world and they, they, they still are working, but they're, they worked hard and they didn't let that limit them, you know, mm-hmm. that oh I can't learn anything new because I'm old now. You can go <laughs> like, back to school if you need to. to yeah.
1: You can try something new, whatever it is.
0: Um it's okay. It's never too late. I love that. I want to take a look at your art. So where can people find your you and your art and connect so, with so um I can
1: probably Instagram is the easiest way to reach me. It could be say Sarah with an H now. Say Sarah now is one word. And then I have another Instagram account called Draw Drawdemic.
0: So either of those, you'll be able to reach me and you can send Amazing. me DMs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you could change one thing about the world, what would it be? Um,
1: I would want that we give people opportunities and recognize our privilege because there's a lot of talented people that are never given a shot. And just mm-hmm. recognizing like... Um, people that are successful especially celebrities are guilty of this where they're like I've always worked and it's like okay well having a baby is work you have a nanny you have other structural things so what are the barriers like language barriers pronunciation barriers presentation barriers structural rate barriers if we address that we'll celebrate more talent and yeah. also just not defining people by their jobs like yeah. you are a full person and you're not like you're not um I fell out of place in Toronto because everyone's talking about their daycares and daycare did not work out for my son he was kind of kicked out and I felt a lot of shame about that but there's no shame like everyone's different everyone has their path so just be it's okay like like life is not a sprint
0: mm. and
1: just take your time and things like sometimes they fall into place sometimes they don't but it's just part of the human story and it's okay
0: and you don't have to do things the same exact way as everybody else Oh no, no no honor, the honor culture. and
1: honor honor what you've been through honor the and just like be open-minded to the experiences of other people that not everyone has those opportunities and just like not don't make assumptions like I remember telling people I really wanted to go abroad as a, like like i uh, just like as an experience and the people from like non-ethnic about they're white they're like we well, should have just done it. i'm like well, no my parents had expectations and it was really yeah. difficult i know it's and not it, just, just easy and it's <laughs> like, if it was i like, would have done it yeah 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 and then yeah. so it's just again understanding that people have different realities and yes. um that just being
0: mindful of that mindful of- yeah and i also love the point that you brought about If you recognize people for their talent, you can also celebrate them. And so many people don't get recognized or found, you know, discovered or whatnot because they don't have the privilege of being discovered and because they don't look like the right fit or they're Mm -hmm. not, uh, you know, a cis white male, you know, it's, there's a lot of barriers for people. And if we can remove some of that, we can really, everyone benefits, they benefit and everybody benefits. And uh, that's, that's amazing. And last question for you, Sarah, what would you say is your mom's strength? my mom's
1: strength is creativity. So where I lack in structure and routine, which is also very good for parenting, I am creative and spontaneous. So my son asked for a bus Christmas tree, I can make that happen, because I have the gears go in my head, I'm unconventional, I can make things. Uh, so I have imagination. So I would say that's my strength is imagination and creativity.
0: Your, your kiddo is so lucky to have you. And I'm so grateful that you spend this time with me. And the audience I'm sure is loving, you know, listening to you as well. Thank you so much, Sarah. For anyone who's listening, who found this episode helpful, maybe you know somebody who's pregnant or who also had a precipitous labor who would benefit from, you know, hearing this conversation and feeling like, oh, I feel like my my feelings are finally heard or seen. Please share this episode with them. Uh, if you know anyone who's a new mom and who's struggling with that diet culture and comparison and struggling to get back to exercise, share this episode. And if you know anyone who just wants to hear Sarah speak and hear this amazing story that she shared, please do share this with them. Thank you so much, Sarah. And to all my audience, thank you for listening. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Mom Strength and being part of this important conversation. Check out the show notes for more info and links, and we'll chat again real soon.